as things started to stabilize, at least in terms of all of our households, because, at, you know, at the start, it's like, you're kind of waiting, is someone getting sick? What's going on? Who's being affected? And once you kind of strategize around that stuff, unless you're in the middle of some real um, tragedies, which is what are happening all around us, obviously, we were all lucky enough to escape, you know, transformative tragedy and keep working in some way. Mm-hmm. And, and then it became really important. What the, the question we were trying to ask ourselves of, does this make sense? That was mm-hmm. kind of the baseline is, does this even make sense? Does it even make sense to do this? What, what does make sense right now to do? And we kept asking ourselves that question. Well, that's the question I think a lot of us, I mean, you know, uh, are, are asking, which is just, I mean, does the world need what we do right now? You know, especially yeah. if what we do is is considered abstract at best by a huge percentage of the population, you know, yeah. and, and and I wrestled with it. I think a lot of people did. And, and finally, I think we all came around and said, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, we, we, we should still communicate. We are artists. This is what we are. This is what we've always been, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we should we should hang on in every way that we can, you know, like the 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 candle shouldn't go out completely, but we have to understand that it's different. That's composer Suzanne Farron talking to me through the magic of Zoom. And we heard some of her piece, Polvere e Ombra, at the beginning. I thought it'd be fun to open up the program with that wonderful piece, a wonderful harp solo uh, by Suzanne Farron. And I'll have more music by Suzanne on the program, an excerpt of a new work called Knocked that was just virtually premiered by the International Contemporary Ensemble. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted, and the theme today is Pandemic Dances. I got that title from my friend, uh, Gene Pritzker. He has a project of the same name, and he was kind enough to let me use it for the title of the program today. I'll be featuring some music by Gene, uh, those pandemic dances, not surprisingly, a little bit later in the show. So my idea uh, for the program today was to reach out to composers, uh, performing arts organizations, performers, and ask them how they're staying creative, uh, how they're still collaborating, um, how they're using technology, anything they were able to do to uh, to be able to get music out to people. And I want to say that I, I recorded all of the interviews that you'll hear on the program today before uh, any of us had seen the video of the killing of George Floyd, uh, that, that absolutely horrendous video. Um, so the, the topic of conversation is, is only really about the pandemic, not surprisingly. Uh, I want to say that I hope that the protests, which are much needed, I, I hope that they continue, but hopefully in a, in a nonviolent fashion. And I hope that uh, we, we make some progress this time around. Let's return now to this conversation with Suzanne and find out how this piece knocked, how the project got started. These were going to be kind of regular concerts, and we thought a lot about the cre- the curation of these concerts, and they were different, uh, but it had some similar some some commonalities. And one was the premiere of a, a new song cycle for a quartet, including Old Martineau. So Ice offered me a commission um, in collaboration with the Library of Congress. And they gave me a list of instruments and they said, choose any of these, but you have to include the Omar to know as well. So uh, that was nice. And so I knew I was going to work with soprano and I knew there was going to be an Ond. And then I really, really wanted harp. And that wasn't possible because the harpist was going to be in one concert, but not the other. And so um, uh, it ended up being um, double bass 
voice on Martineau and percussion. And I wrote a song cycle, you know, with all these, uh, it's a multilingual um, cycle with uh, poetry from Proust, uh, poetry as you saw from Rumi and Hafez, um, also Emily Dickinson and Sappho and other poets. And, and so I did that. <laughs> and then the world's kind of, all this happened, you know, and yeah. everything was really thrown up in the air. So, you know, once we caught our breath, um, Ross and I had a conversation about if we could move forward at all and what it would look like if we did. And he was telling me about strategies that they were exploring and how we might be able to record something. Um, I'm someone who really loves and depends on the rehearsal process, as you know, I mean, this, for a new piece. And um, so that was hard to imagine for a little bit. And then I kind of like had my moment with the score and thinking about the whole layout musically and thought, okay, this one, this one thing, I think we can do this one part. And then we sort of built the program out from there. So the piece was finished by early March before uh, all of this started. Did you go back and uh, make any changes to the piece? I didn't change the musical materials so much in this movement that we did. And, and in fact, I chose it because I thought that I wouldn't have to. But because of the way everything got thrown up in the air and, and, and we weren't traveling, it meant that actually the harpist, since we were all virtual, the harpist was going to be virtually with me as much through the whole process. So it didn't matter that she wasn't going to be present for one concert. So I got to have the harp. <laughs> So that was a really positive silver lining <laughs> to the whole disruption. So I did get to rethink that and, and consider where, where the harp is in the imagination of the piece. So I did rework the piece to include harp, which, as you know, had, had effects on other parts of the piece as well. But mostly it was what I had envisioned before. I did change the name of the whole song cycle, though. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because there's this beautiful poem uh, that is one of the other movements and it's kind of creepy. <laughs> what, what it says is kind of creepy. I'm just going to pull it out. Um, so this poem by Rumi, which is movement three is in, I, I'm setting it in the German translation, but on the inside of houses, your hearts stand like columns in this columnless world. And so the name of the whole cycle was going to be in the inside. That was what I had determined in March. Okay. Not realizing that we were going to be sheltering in place or that this mm -hmm. was all going to happen. And so from that moment, it just felt like, uh, that was stating the obvious yeah didn't need to be said <laughs> yeah definitely that's very cool yeah congratulations i mean it's oh, great thanks. you were able to move forward with it and yeah so i mean we wondered how but it was good it was it felt felt good to get back into it well and it's also to to do something and i'm not just i'm not referring to to, to what i was involved in necessarily because it's hard when you're on that side of it but i've been, i've experienced a few events streamed that were miracles mm -hmm. you know and so to witness a miracle right now is is a really important uplifting experience i think to say 
like this was an actual musical experience. This wasn't uh, a, a poor version of what we normally do in our lives. This felt like I was experiencing something. It felt worth my time. It felt like it was done with care. Um, and it did, it was nourishment in its own way. All right, well, let's listen to an excerpt of this piece, Knocked by Suzanne Farron, uh, performed by musicians from the International Contemporary Ensemble. And we're going to hear Suzanne herself on the Owned Martineau with Alice Tessier, voice, Ross Carr, percussion, Randall Ziegler, bass, and Nuiko Wadden, harp. The audio engineer was Ryan Straber. Nachts ist unser Music by Suzanne Farron, uh, an excerpt from a piece called Knocked 
And that was a virtual performance that happened recently. In fact, all of those musicians uh, recorded their parts separately, and it was put together by the audio engineer Ryan Straber. So we heard Suzanne herself on the Owned Martineau, Ross Carr percussion, Randall Ziegler bass, Nuiko Wadden harp, and that wonderful singer, uh, my goodness, was Alice Tessier. What a marvelous performance. Again, music from a piece called Knocked by Suzanne Farron. I got the title for the program today, Pandemic Dances, from my friend Jean Pritzker, who has been working on a project of the same name while in quarantine. Uh, so here's Jean to tell us more about it. So the original idea uh, is I did a Facebook post saying that uh, I'm going to remotely record duets for guitar and whoever signs up on this Facebook post that wants to do it. Uh, so I have like 4,000 friends on Facebook. Some of them I know very well, some of them I know a little bit, some of them I don't know well at, at all. So the fun thing is I had uh, 32 people sign up, and with some I, I have worked before and still work, like, you know, <laughs> uh, with many people, uh, uh, like, uh, I have to think of names, like Peter Jarvis, uh, Mark Kostabi, John Clark, uh, and some people uh, uh, I've never worked with before, and some people I've maybe met once, so, like once or twice in my life, and we know each other, <laughs> but uh, I just recorded this trumpet player, and I'm pretty sure we just met once, this club and he, he's great and <laughs> he was stuck quarantined in, in, in Indonesia I think uh, so he recorded this part so it was really interesting to just uh, uh, so, so the idea was I'll write these pieces and they have a chance to write one too and we record each other's parts uh, uh, at home we record our parts and then I put combine them and release them one at a time every so I've been releasing every three or four days actually pretty consistently since I started the project and whatever March uh, the first person was uh, an old friend of mine, Lev Zurbin, who's a Zroba, he's a composer and, and violist. So he was the first to sign up. So and he he and I've known him forever, but actually me and him never really worked together because it was the first time we actually collaborated uh, uh, on something. So that was fun. Nice. So and the last one was a clarinetist who I met once at a concert, and we always threatened to do something together, and <laughs> never did. A bass clarinetist, and, and this was the piece number 32 and then everybody in the middle and it was really amazing just how uh, 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 you know we're here we're stuck we have no concerts and yet I was pretty busy recording my pieces and writing these pieces recording these pieces mixing these pieces learning their pieces recording and releasing so it's actually um, you know and it's still going so we're <laughs> yeah so they would send you you would record your track they would send you the recording of their track and then mm -hmm. you would mix it together yes so depending on what uh, uh, technology they had at home. Some had like Logic, so I would, in fact, just record my stuff, share the Logic file, they record their stuff, send me their, their WAV files, and I would, you know. But some didn't have so good technology, <laughs> so I would actually send them an audio file with a click going through my guitar, and they would have to do one take, because they didn't have like mixing. <laughs> they didn't have like uh, Logic to, 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 you know, to cut it and chop it. Uh, one guy did, he goes, you know, I can't play it through, but is it okay if, if I play eight bars at a time, I could do, but he didn't have good equipment like this, so he would just listen to my thing and record, you know, I'm like, fine, and I, I would edit, you know, I'm, I'm a very fast and easy editor on Logic, I could do anything, so, uh, and sometimes it was like in their living rooms, uh, you know, sound wasn't whatever, so I had to really edit and make the sound, sometimes the sound was great, sometimes they recorded better than me, uh, yeah, one guy started, because I was recording in 48. One guy recorded in 88 and sent me his. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to, like, up, up my shit. <laughs> to make, you know? But, uh, you know, so so many different people, different uh, uh, 
styles of playing, different situations of where they are, different uh, situations of what they have recording-wise, and of course there's, uh, you know, 32 different instruments, which is also fun. That's my man Gene Pritzker telling us about this project, uh, Pandemic Dances. Let's hear two of them. So we're going to hear number 32, uh, featuring bass clarinetist Christoph Notch, and then we'll hear number 30, featuring organist Carson Kuman, and of course Gene is on guitar for both of these.
Two Pieces by Gene Pritzker uh, from his Pandemic Dances series. We heard Pandemic Dance number 32 for guitar and bass clarinet featuring Christoph Noch. And then we heard Pandemic Dance number 30 for organ and guitar featuring Carson Kuhn. Uh, it's a great project. We did feature a couple of those on our podcast. Uh, Gene and I do a podcast together called Composers with Drinks listening to music, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we, we get together ourselves, uh, guest poet uh, Robert C. Ford, and uh, a couple of other composers. We have drinks and, and we listen to music, so be sure to check that out. I'm going to feature a great project now from the American Composers Orchestra called Connecting ACO Community. Uh, this is a really great initiative to stay creative during this difficult time. And uh, what they've done is uh, they've partnered several soloists that they work with, with uh, talented composers. And uh, I was able to chat with the composer of the piece I'm going to feature called Another Rising. Uh, it's Carlos Simon. And also the soloist, the wonderful countertenor Anthony Roth Costanzo and Derek Burmel, the artistic director of the American Composers Orchestra, joined us uh, for that conversation as well. So let's head over to Zoom land um, and uh, hear what they have to say about this fantastic project. All right, well, so I'll start with Derek. I mean, we obviously know what this program was a response to, but um, if you could just walk me through, like, like uh, how, how did you, you know, what strings had to be pulled to, to make this program happen? I mean, how did you find the, the collaborators? How, how did it all come about? Well, we were very lucky because one of our board members, Augusta Gross, and her husband, Leslie Samuels, uh, they, they just came to us one day and said, hey, we want to make something happen here. This was in the very, very, this is in the first week that the, the pandemic struck. And, and they said, can, can you make something happen? And so Ed Yim, the president of ACO, and I, we, we just got on the phone and we sat there talking through all the different things that we thought we might be able to do. And what we decided was that we really wanted to connect people during this time because we, we already within a week, we felt this lack of connection with people. And, um, and we also thought that we wanted to look toward the future to create work that would be there afterwards. Um, so we knew that this would be over at some point and we wanted to make something that would last because already people were throwing up all kinds of videos that were just kind of seemed to be just for the moment, like let's do something, which I, mm -hmm. which we all did it right away, you know, let's get something done. But we thought, well, let's try to do something that would have a lasting effect. And so then we got this extra grant uh, later on from the NYC COVID-19 Response and Impact Fund. And uh, that let us expand it further. So the idea was let's pair uh, a great performer with a great composer. And, um, you know, let's, let's go talk to performers that we know that with whom we have a connection, uh, as we do with Anthony, and let's give them a list of a number of composers, freelancers, you know, who are out there kind of uh, pounding the pavement. And the same with the, with, the, with the, everyone was just in this new world. And we said, let's, let, let's, let's ask these performers to, to choose a composer that they really respond to and to try to make a work together. And then with this money that we had, we'll, we'll pay the performers and we'll pay the composers and we'll hopefully produce some work that will last. And I think the piece that you're gonna hear uh, that uh, has been this collaboration between 
Anthony and Carlos and the Brooklyn Youth Chorus will really last. So Carlos, you were approached by the, the ACO for, for this project? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek and uh, EDM, they, they sent me an email um, and um, asked if I would be interested. And of course, it was a no-brainer for me because I worked with uh, in the American Composers Orchestra in previous years. I was a winner of the Underwood reading um, for, for the orchestra. And, and it was that was a joy to work with them then. And so I've always admired their, their mission um, and what they represent uh, to composers uh, in this country. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a no-brainer. Of course, uh, to get a chance to work with Anthony was it's all a dream of mine because I saw him at the Met uh, and at Mountain, um, with Phil Glass, you know, the live stream. And I was like, wow, I want to work with him. Uh, and so it, it was just sort of like the universe sort of conspired uh, in a way for this opportunity. So, uh, Anthony, like, how, how did the collaboration take place? I mean, was, was Carlos sending you music as, as he was writing it, or how, how was it working out? Well, it's, it was fantastic. I mean, when um, Ed and Derek approached me about doing this, um, they said, you know, is there a composer you want to work with? And, and Carlos's name had come up, and I, I didn't know his work so well, so I was listening. Um, and I was so struck by, you know, the breadth of compositional styles that he's able to synthesize in such a sophisticated way. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to do a piece with Carlos. And so when we spoke, um, we went back and forth about different ideas. And one idea I had was actually based on an old folk song. I think it was a Russian folk song um, in which the singer is not singing a cappella, which I find, especially in these acoustically challenging rooms that we're in with bad mics, to be not the best way forward. But rather, he was accompanied by a chorus of voices um, sort of creating a soundscape uh, underneath him. And so I wondered whether that was an idea that Carlos was interested in. And when he was, I suggested that maybe we could ask the Brooklyn Youth Chorus um, to be the chorus of voices. And it felt um, really hopeful in a way to me because mm -hmm. the youth is our future. And in, in, in particular, these um, young singers who are so rigorous in the way that they approach what they do. Uh, so I was thrilled that Brooklyn Youth Chorus was able to come on and join us and then, um, Carlos is so generous and, you know, listening to what uh, to, we talked about range, we talked about text and, and he made it really collaborative for me, which I'm always grateful for because I feel like, you know, the art gets better with collaboration from both of our sides. Um, and then he made a piece that is beyond what we could have hoped for. All right, well, let's hear the piece. This premiered on Sunday, May 31st on Zoom, uh, where we're premiering everything these days presented as part of the American Composers Orchestra's Connecting ACO community. And this featured Anthony Rothkostanzo, countertenor, the Brooklyn Youth Chorus, uh, which is uh, led by Diane Birkin-Miniker, the founder and artistic director. Uh, Brian Loesch was a sound editor and a mixer, obviously a very important role uh, for these virtually done pieces. And if you're watching this on YouTube, Jeremy Robbins was the video engineer. Uh, so let's hear another rising music by Carlos Simon.
Hard to believe they're not in the same room, isn't it? Uh, it's a fabulous virtual performance of this piece, Another Rising by Carlos Simon. What a fantastic performance by the Brooklyn Youth Chorus, uh, by the soloist Anthony Roth-Costanzo. I mean, we expect nothing less, but e even so, phenomenal performance. Uh, wonderful music by Carlos Simon. The piece is called Another Rising. This was created as part of the American Composers Orchestra's Connecting ACO Community Project. And again, we heard Anthony Roth-Costanzo countertenor, the Brooklyn Youth Chorus, uh, founder and artistic director Diane Birkin-Meneker, Brian Loesch was a sound editor and mixer. I don't uh, envy him. <laughs> he did a heck of a job. Wow. And uh, the video engineer was Jeremy Robbins. So just a fantastic project. Uh, I want to thank Derek Burmel, Carlos Simon, and Anthony Roth-Costanzo for talking to me about the project as well. Let's go from New York to Chicago. Uh, the Civic Orchestra of Chicago was all set to uh, celebrate their 100th anniversary in a concert. And, well, we all know what happened in the spring of, of this year. Uh, they were not able to do it. They had to present the concert virtually. Uh, but it was a great success. Uh, again, all of the performers recorded their parts at home, and it was mixed uh, by some absolute wizard because uh, it sounds fantastic. The concert included an awful lot of contemporary classical music, including a piece by Liza Sobel. Let's head back to Zoomland and talk to Liza. I got an email from somebody I know in Civic. I, I was already scheduled to write a piece for Civic Orchestra, a piece I wrote, which sadly has been postponed. It was supposed to be for this charity Civic Members Organize. So it's different Civic Members and they it's called Chicago Speaks, Chicago Listens. And they put pair uh, new, they pair a bunch of the music, including a new piece by me with um, different charities and they pick like what is the topic each year. And so that I was already commissioned for that piece and, and hope they're saying it's gonna happen next year. So fingers crossed. And um, unrelated to that though, then I was asked about participating in this project. Uh, like every, this is one of the first concerts, Civic Orchestra had their 100th anniversary concert scheduled, their big gala concert. And of course it got canceled as one of the earliest big cancellations from COVID. And um, so the commission was for their virtual concert and the requirements were that it had to relate to the pandemic and also relate to the orchestra was originally scheduled to perform Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. 5 as part of their original live concert. And so in some way, the, the pieces that the composers had to write had to relate to that. And so we were actually sent uh, the recordings of, so for this virtual concert, I should have said the, they did a, um, for the fourth movement, they did a, what am I trying to say? They did a virtual concert. There, it's, there's the word. <laughs> a virtual concert of putting all the different civic members together. It was really impressive. And so we, the composers, were sent all those individual instruments recordings to then use in our own pieces. Um, so yeah, what's, what's your piece? How did it relate to COVID and relate to the concert that had been planned by Civic? Yeah, so it's called Reverse Forward, and I was really interested. So they they played both the fourth movement, that's what was played in the virtual concert, but they also recorded um, part the opening of the second movement. And so I really loved, I took the second movement, it has this, um, in the original version, it has this pretty notable downward leap in the, it's a beautiful solo French horn melody. I think French horn players spend their lives playing this melody. Um, and so I started playing with reversing it. And so it became a lot more hopeful, actually, when you reverse this big downward leap, it became a, a nice upward leap. 
And so, yeah, I started experimenting with that. And so a lot of the pieces me reversing the directions of the instruments. And I just really love that sound. I also felt like it really relates to what we're going through right now because we're in this kind of reverse kind of crazy time happening. And so that related to that. Um, what other things? Yeah, that was a big one, really extending out time a lot as well. And so, yeah, I was the one sitting around doing all the editing for this. Um, and also like, yeah, even really extending out time a lot. Let's see, what were other things? It's starting to feel like such a long time ago. How did the piece change? It was a very intense process. We had one week from the time we were asked to participate uh, to when the pieces were due. So I don't know if there was a lot of time to change it. It was pretty much, I had an idea and that, that was it. I had to go with it given the short amount of time. Yeah, that's definitely an intense deadline. <laughs> it was intense. Um, I think also, one thing I didn't necessarily, I thought at first I'd focus almost exclusively on the second movement, but I wound up wanting a more hopeful and uplifting moment. And the fourth movement with this beautiful march is very, very moving and very rousing. And so I just wanted us to feel like we're coming together. So I used some quotes of that and was like re reorganizing and putting different harmonies on it, pairing the instruments in a different way as well. Let's hear the piece. It's called Reverse Forward. This is the Civic Orchestra of Chicago. I can only imagine the editing job uh, that was required to put this together. It's, uh, it's still really, really incredible to me. I, I surveyed a, a ton of projects when I was researching this show, and, and this is, uh, well, uh, one of the more miraculous ones, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, so let's hear the piece, uh, Reverse Forward, recorded virtually and presented virtually as part of the Civic Orchestra's 100th anniversary celebration. This is music of Liza Sobel.
That's a piece called Reverse Forward by Liza Sobel. We heard Ken David Mazur uh, conducting, I suppose, virtually the Civic Orchestra of Chicago. Uh, definitely one of the better uh, virtual renditions of an orchestra that I've heard. Really, really phenomenal. The whole concert's quite interesting. It's on YouTube. Uh, I think it's almost entirely contemporary music. Uh, there's there's uh, Ted Moore and Natalie Joachim, some really wonderful, wonderful composers. So check that out on YouTube, the Civic Orchestra of Chicago 100th Anniversary Concert. Okay, I'm going to feature some choral music now, but it was all recorded by one person, uh, which is kind of intriguing. This is a service that uh, Matt Curtis offers. He records all of it, the soprano parts, the tenor parts, uh, you know, boy soprano, <laughs> you name it. Uh, the music is by Greg Bartholomew. He's the one who uh, showed me uh, this great website uh, that Matt Curtis does. Uh, there's him doing the Chichester Psalms of Leonard Bernstein. I mean, all kinds of, of wild stuff. So I, I would think that this is probably very much in demand uh, these days, given our circumstances. Uh, but uh, Greg did stop by my virtual Zoom studio to chat about the two pieces that I'm going to feature, Prairie Spring and Fire and Ice. Prairie Spring was because there was a, um, a call for scores. There's a composer in Britain, I think his name might be Paul Ayers, but I'm not sure, who is also a conductor and was doing a guest conducting gig with a choir there, a community, all, an all takers choir. So they wanted something that was not challenging, but not, they wanted simple, but not simplistic. And he went into some detail about that. And it was SAB, which I'd never written for SAB. I've never heard an SAB choir. I've never experienced it. So I talked to a few choral people about what that was like. Basically, it's, it's common for middle schools because they don't have a lot of guys and the guys' voices haven't settled out yet. So it's kind of a middle male voice and not as many. But, um, I wrote this, I found this, they wanted it on the theme of seasons. So one of the trickiest things for me writing a choral piece is finding a text that I, that resonates enough with me that I could want, be motivated to set it and feel comfortable with it. And that's in the public domain or I have access to the author to get permission. And I found that I never read any Willa Cather. I don't know if you've read any of her books. She's mostly known as a novelist. And I was, they wanted it on the theme of seasons, the seasons, and they had something for summer and they had something for autumn. So I figured, well, I'll look for something for spring. And so I looked for some, I did a Google search for poems about spring and this Willa Cather poem popped up and it just really gelled with me. I mean, I really thought it um, a nice poem. I put together an initial draft of it. It was all done in the early COVID days. So I was probably finishing it up in March. And then I, I um, gave it to Matt Curtis to do me a demo around the time I submitted it because the deadline was probably the end of March or something like that, or end of February, right around the time when things are looking, getting to look really bleak for choirs. And so by the time I submitted, I knew they were probably not gonna, it was for a concert that was supposed to happen in Britain in July. And I already found on their website of the choir that's doing the concert that they canceled their concert. I feel really good about the piece. I really like the way it turned out. 
Oh, it's a great piece. I really enjoyed it. I thought Matt did an amazing job with it too. Yeah, he, Matt. So Matt's a man, obviously, and he he sings all these parts. And I've had him record both parts pieces for male choir TTBB and for mixed choir SATB. And the other one he did that was SATB. I felt was more initially when I heard the thing for Fire and Ice because I've got it starts out with the 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 soprano's coming in quite high. And it just sounded like, oh my. It took me a while to get used to the sound. And it, it's a different quality voice than a real soprano. Mm -hmm. But I've grown to really like that recording. And now if I hear it by a real choir, I'll probably be confused <laughs> and disappointed. <laughs> That's how it works, I know. All right, let's hear these two short pieces for choir. Uh, here sung by one person, Matt Curtis, which is uh, pretty amazing. Uh, we're gonna hear Fire and Ice. And then we'll hear Prairie Spring. This is music by Greg Bartholomew. Some say the world will end in fire. 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 Oh, man. 
short choral works by composer Greg Bartholomew, and we heard them sung here by one person, Matt Curtis, and I think he did a great job. Uh, they sound really nice. Those are, those are uh, really wonderful pieces. Uh, I know exactly what Greg is talking about. As a composer, you, you get so used to hearing something in one format, it might be very weird for him uh, when, they're, when they're finally sung by the, uh, the forces for which they were intended. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our program today, uh, Pandemic Dances music um, by composers and performers who are finding ways to stay creative, to, uh, to continue to express themselves. Uh, we know we're in a very, very difficult time. I know a lot of us as artists are, are questioning the value of what we do. 
when there is so much inequity, there's so much anger and, and, and hatred in our society. Uh, and I just have to say that, that yes, uh, what we do does have value. Um, the kind of society that supports the arts, that supports music, is, 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 I hope, an equitable and just society. And so by creating art, we're hopefully helping to, uh, to, to in some small way, bring about that society. At least I, I hope that that's the case. I'm going to send us out with a uh, piece of mine that I've been working on during quarantine. Uh, this is called Useless Machines for Thinking, Dreaming, Feeling. And we're going to hear uh, Ford Forkurian on bass clarinet. Ford is sheltering in place in Brooklyn. We're going to hear Dave Keller on cello. Uh, Dave is sheltering in Chicago. And Henry Zhang on violin, also in Chicago. This is the third movement, Mind Fire. Thanks so much for listening. For Relevant Tones, I'm Seth Bostead. And... Hope you'll tune in for the next one.
Thank <laughs> you. 